Hi, everybody. It is Dr. Joe Galani, and thanks very much for tuning into our podcast today. It is season eight, episode number five, and we are talking about intestinal gas today with our registered dietitian, Lauren. And when you look at intestinal gas, and it's one of those things that nobody really likes to talk about, farting, bloating, distension, it's a real problem. And the amazing thing is when you really look at it from a medical, scientific, and physiologic level, all of us produce gas. And how we respond to the gas, whether it is a minor annoyance or it is significant enough that you're making trips to the doctor, trips to the emergency room or urgent care, probably relates more to how you are put together from a nervous system standpoint, how your body responds to the distension. And we do know from research that there are nerves in the gut that actually respond to this intestinal distension. And for some people, very modest distension or very modest stretching of the gut, expansion of the colon or small intestine results in a lot of pain. These stretch receptors are almost hypersensitive. Where other people, they're distended, they're walking around with all kinds of gas and it really doesn't bother them. So, and, and that is a whole separate problem somewhat related to irritable bowel syndrome. But there are certain strategies that we're going to talk about with regard to a FODMAP diet. We're going to get into what FODMAP actually means. It's a diet where you eliminate certain foods that increase the amount of gas. And it's been shown that it's a beneficial approach. But keep in mind, it is not a diet that you stay on forever. If you are going to try a FODMAP diet, usually we give it a couple of weeks, three weeks or so to test out the waters to see if there are certain foods that you do better with when we eliminate them. But to say that you're going to stay on this long term is not necessarily beneficial for you because it tends to be a low fiber diet. You're not going to be getting enough fiber, which in itself is associated with other GI problems and issues. So it's more of a watch and wait and see what happens when you eliminate certain foods that are high uh, uh, on the FODMAP scale and go from there. So anyway, so it's a great conversation with Lauren, which we had on the radio this past weekend. Certainly lots of resources for you in the description here. And as always, follow along on all the usual podcast applications. Our website, drjogalati.com is where you can sign up for our newsletter and follow us along. And don't miss a beat. Thanks very much. Enjoy the podcast. Everybody, and you all know the drill every Sunday evening between 7 and 8 p.m. We're here doing our best to make you better consumers of healthcare, raising your health IQ. And over the years, and we're in our 21st year, we have talked about a lot of different topics. We've talked about, of course, 
eating better and nutrition, heart disease, cancer. But an absolute favorite is gas. Talking about our gas and somebody that is an expert on intestinal gas, and she may not agree with this, but I'm claiming her to be an expert, is Lauren Mahesri, our fine registered dietitian in our practice, liver specialist of Texas. You've heard her on the radio before. Lauren, thanks for coming in tonight, being part of the program, and not being afraid to talk about gas. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the one topic, and let, let me just back up uh, and, and give a a, a setup for this for this topic. Many patients of ours, and it does not matter if you're seeing your family physician, you're seeing your internal medicine doctor, your OBGYN, or you're seeing somebody like us, a gastroenterology or liver disease practice. Patients that complain of gas or bloating or flatulence as the, uh, the, the nice term to say, it is a very, very big problem. Now, the, the real challenging part here is that all of us produce gas. We all pass gas, whether we want to admit it or not. But for some people, the way we are put together, our nerves and our intestines, the same amount of gas that I may have in my gut causes me basically no problem. The person next to me has about the same amount of gas, and they are in absolute distress. They are going to their doctor. They're going to emergency rooms. And so that is a big mystery. What is it about these people? We've done research in the past, and it has to do with the nerves, something we call stretch receptors in the intestines. But with that said, for everybody to understand gas, that's why we wanted Lauren on tonight. And a specific dietary approach goes by the name of FODMAP, F-O-D-M-A-P. So, Lauren, why don't you jump jump in and just explain what FODMAPs are and how eliminating them may be beneficial. Absolutely, yeah. And just to kind of touch on that, too, I think you're absolutely right. So many people come into our practice or just talk to me as a dietitian and say that, you know, they really normalize these really uncomfortable symptoms. Right. You know, I always feel gas. I always feel abdominal discomfort. Um, I'm bloated after every single meal. And really, there are many ways to avoid that, but I see that almost every single day. So FODMAP is a type of elimination diet that can really help identify what is causing these sort of abdominal symptoms. So FODMAP stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. So that's a bunch of big fancy words that basically just means types of carbohydrates that tend to ferment in our stomach. So that's really the key here of why these types of foods that fall into a high FODMAP category are causing people so much pain. So I basically say it, look at it that low FODMAP foods have a low chance of fermenting in your stomach and causing that pain versus high FODMAP foods have a high chance of fermenting or bringing a lot of water into your bowels that can cause a lot of that gas, abdominal pain, all the distension, stuff like that. So really it's a very helpful elimination diet to figure out what those specific triggers are for you because everyone gets triggered by different types of food. Yeah. Now there are lots of things in our diet, FODMAP or not, that cause gas and bloating. 
And it, it you know, some would say almost any vegetable could because of the fiber. And again, this fermentation, which is all totally normal. It's the interaction of the vegetable or the fruit with mm-hmm. the bacteria in the gut. And it's normal metabolism that we produce gas. And again, it's how we handle it. Now, I don't want to get into too much of some of these FODMAPs produce CO2 or hydrogen at, as well. Mm-hmm. Others produce methane, which is your typical fart gas that, that we have. But anyway, uh, and again, there are people that are sensitive to milk and dairy products, certain whole grains, beans, fatty foods can make you very bloated, and uh, carbohydrate beverages. A lot of people nowadays are drinking uh, these these uh, widely available drinks, and they have a lot of gas in them. So in this approach to a uh, elimination diet where we're subtracting things, what are the foods that you would start eliminating, Lauren, when you see a patient? Yeah, so I think initially when we look at the list of low FODMAP versus high FODMAP foods, a lot of people, when they look at this, it's kind of confusing. It feels like there's no through line. There's no thing that's grouping them together. Right. And they say, you know, why do you want me to eliminate these foods? These are all healthy for me. And that's where we get the most confusion and pushback on that. And really, it's because these carbohydrates, you're right, some of them are really high in fiber. But the through line is that they've all got a certain level of either fructose, lactose. Sometimes they've got some sugar alcohols. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is really what's causing the fermentation, the, the gas buildup there. So really the main groups of them are things that have ecto, excess fructose. So certain fruits like apples, mangoes, um, canned fruits and its natural juices because it's kind right. of all of that fructose um, in, in there together. Obviously lactose, so things like milk, yogurt, cheese. Um, and then what's called galactans, which is our legumes. And so as I'm saying this, you guys are probably all like, okay, well, those are all my healthy foods that I'm eating all the time. Where am I going to get fiber without these foods? That's kind of our our also a main thing we want to look at. And I will say that there are lots of fruits and vegetables on the low FODMAP side that have got plenty of fiber. So we're looking at bananas, blueberries, raspberries. Lots of uh, sweet potato, things like that right. are, are on the low FODMAP side. So it is very difficult to make sure that patients are getting enough fiber when they're on a low FODMAP diet. But that's also in turn of, you know, low FODMAP is, is intended to be a short-term situation. It right. is not intended to be a forever sort of diet. And that's another place where I see folks go wrong. A majority of the time they come in and they say, well, I've been told to go on a low FODMAP diet. I've been on it for six years, and nothing's happening. Right. And I go, whoa, okay, low FODMAP is supposed to be an elimination diet to diagnose some of our individual triggers. It is not intended to be forever. Um, actually, the intended use of low FODMAP is about four to six weeks right. of trying to eliminate these foods and then slowly, slowly introducing these foods one by one. Yeah. You and, know- you know, at the end of it, the goal is supposed to have, here's my five to six, maybe even more triggers right. that specifically trigger my abdominal symptoms. You know, the one thing over the years that I've, I've said to patients, and in, in no means is it uh, getting on their case, but patients will come in and, and, and you've seen these people. They are really very unhappy, 
and and miserable with the gas problem. And and they do. They become distended and they say, look, Dr. Galati, I look like I'm six months pregnant. And, you know, they come with these big abdomens and when we tap on their belly, they're full of air. But in, mm-hmm. in, in a way, I, I try to reassure them. And there's a lot of reassurance that needs to take place. Nobody has ever died of excess gas from your diet. Okay, let's just get that out there. And to mm-hmm. your point, I would think all of us need to be much more aware and mindful of the foods we eat, what makes us feel and develop a, a bloated belly, tummy pain. And then, like you said, eliminate these foods and say, you know what, after three, four, five weeks, I am really feeling better. Would you say maybe reintroduce some foods to see if you could find that happy medium? Absolutely. And so what I think people get scared of when they see this low FODMAP list is that there's you know 30 to 40 foods on the avoid or high FODMAP side. And they say, right. you know, well, I can't do this forever. Or after I'm done four weeks of really trying to do this best that I can, I'm really nervous or I, you know, I want my diet to be more expanded because, right. again, this is a fairly restrictive diet. And I always, always reassure and say, out of the 40 or so high FODMAP foods, absolutely not all of these cause your symptoms. The right. whole goal of this is to um, you know, get with a, a looking glass and make sure we can really, really identify which couple foods are your triggers. So I always tell people, you know, in introducing foods one at a time in small serving sizes within three to four days of each other is really the absolute gold standard to see which food is causing me the pain. And sometimes it's serving size, uh, you know, triggered. So if I have a little bit of garlic, I might not feel the pain, whereas a lot of garlic or a garlic dip is really going to cause me some abdominal pain. So that's where it gets tricky. But the best gold standard way to do a low FODMAP diet is keeping a food diary, too, Mm -hmm. while you're doing this. Because we absolutely do not want to rely on our own memory of like, you know, maybe this meal was it, but maybe it was the lunch meal and I'm not sure when my symptoms started. Um, I definitely always recommend keeping a food diary while on this diet. Right. And what we're going to do on our Facebook page, we'll list a very simple FODMAP diet and the elimination diet that you're talking about, Lauren, as a resource. So go to at Dr. Joe Galati uh, on, on Facebook, and we'll mention this later in the program. If there was one or two or three foods that you would say, definitely start here. And it's a shot mm-hmm. in the dark. What might you say from experience that, you know what, you've got this gas. It sounds like there's just a little bit too much coming from your diet. Let's start here just to have people sort of put dip their toe in the water. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah, of course. And really where I start is foods that are most commonly causing these symptoms. So out of those is usually lactose. So okay. a lot of people with IBS-like symptoms have some degree of lactose intolerance or a lactose sensitivity. So I'd start with lactose, so either lactose-free items or very, very low lactose foods. Uh I'd also start with avoiding high volumes of legumes. So really trying to eliminate those, as well as gluten. Again, not completely, but we want to get the serving sizes down pretty much. We don't want to be overwhelming our bowels with high volumes of lactose, gluten, beans. And then the last one, which is often the trickiest thing that people have with FODMAP in general, 
is onions and garlic. Right. So these are, are two foods that are particularly triggering to my IBS patients. Um, whenever I did the low FODMAP diet, because I always like to try every diet that I'm telling someone to go on. So when I did low FODMAP for four weeks, this was absolutely the hardest one to avoid was the garlic and onions. Right. You learn very quickly that garlic and onions are in absolutely everything. So, you know, in your barbecue sauces and ketchups and things like that. So if we're really trying to go absolutely low FODMAP, those are the things that I would start with. Garlic, onion, the high gluten, high lactose, and then our beans and legumes. All right, Lauren. Well, I, I, I do believe you checked all the boxes for tonight, at least as an introductory start to what FODMAP is. Uh, I'll give you 10, 15 seconds, final thought to everybody on this diet. Yeah, my final thought is, first off, I would absolutely try to complete this diet alongside a registered dietitian so you feel like you have some guidance, you know where things are clearly coming from. But I think it can be extremely, extremely helpful to finally get rid of those stubborn symptoms that a lot of us have normalized as kind of what we have to feel like after meals, and that absolutely does not need to be the case. Absolutely. All right, Lauren Mahesri, our outstanding diet registered dietitian at liver specialist of texas have a great night and as always thanks so much for coming on tonight thanks for listening today to our podcast don't forget for more information check out drjoegalati.com information about my book eating yourself sick is available there as well as our clinical practice radio program and social media links we need you to be part of our tribe and community until we meet again i'm dr joe galati ciao